just like to thank all of you for your prayers, your kind words, letters, text messages, whatever it was since my mom's passing, which has been both incredibly painful, but also very beautiful. Anyone who has gone through losing someone they deeply love knows this, and I don't think you can quite know what it's like until it happens to you. My mother was a great witness to the Christian life, and I think one of the greatest things she witnessed to me and my brother was the faith, in particular, sacrifice. In these days after her passing from this world, I've been looking back on my life and my family's life and on hers, and one thing that marked my mother's life was a life of intense sacrifice. And so that sacrifice has kind of been on my heart these past days. If you've gone to Mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation for the last 10 years, you have heard a particular phrase over 500 times. If you've gone to Mass and every Holy Day of Obligation for the last 50 years, you've heard this phrase almost 3,000 times. And the phrase that I'm speaking about is, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's one of the most important yet misunderstood lines in the entire Bible. Maybe one of the most important misunderstood words or lines in the Mass. Why? Because it is the identification of who Jesus is. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. These few words are the interpretive key to everything that his life is going to be about. But what do they mean? If somebody asks you when the priest holds up the chalice and that little, what seemingly looks like a piece of bread and says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, would you know how to explain what that means? Why the Lamb? Why is there all this focus? Right up here, Etianus Dei, which is Latin. Behold the Lamb of God. The Lamb is important for a few reasons. I'm going to go over three particular ones especially for the Jewish people. The first is Abraham. If you remember Abraham and Isaac, they go up on the mountain, and Isaac said, here is the wood, and here is the fire, but we have no sacrificial lamb. And Abraham says, God, God will provide a lamb. And then if you look at the greatest of the prophets of Israel, the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 53, he talks about the lamb being led to the slaughter and not opening his mouth. And so somehow this lamb will be a fulfillment of prophecy. And third, and probably most significant, is the Passover. Remember when the Jews left Egypt, they had to sacrifice a lamb, sprinkle the doorposts with the blood. And so the lamb for the Jewish people became symbolic of freedom. Freedom from slavery, freedom from oppression. But in the heart of every Jewish person... It was an even deeper longing, and that longing was a forgiveness from sin. Not just slavery and oppression from a dictator, but a definitive offering for sin. The Passover was done year after year. The sacrifices of atonement were done year after year. Because there was no forgiveness of sin. There couldn't be. The one who was offended was God, and only God could forgive. And so when John... Today in the gospel, when he points and he says, that's the lamb. That's the one. And then he adds on, he says, and I testify. 
that he is the son of God. This would have rocked the Jewish community. Jesus was someone who was destined to be sacrificed as a sin offering for God. Just as the Passover lambs were, but his offering would be eternal. Why? Because he was God. Now I think that most of what I just said really doesn't mean much to you. You might sit back and say, Father, that's a nice explanation of the lamb within the scripture. But what does it have to do with us now? That was 2,000 years ago. It has everything to do with us. Because it shows that sin and sacrifice go together. And there are two things right now that the culture simply denies. There is a massive denial of sin in our world. We hate the word sin. We don't even call it sin anymore. We'll call it dysfunction, a lack of compassion, bullying, not being nice. One of the worst, the things that I hate more than anything is that stupid billboard that says, be nice. I hate it. You know what nice comes, the word nice comes from is niche, which means nothing. Why should I be nice? Why should I even care? Unless, unless my actions have eternal consequences. That in fact, there are things that I can do that affect my eternal life. Then yeah, maybe I should be a better person. And sacrifice, God forbid we sacrifice anything as a culture. And when sin is denied and sacrifice is abandoned, the world will get darker and darker and darker. I've said it before, but the great Russian author Dostoevsky, one of my favorite quotes ever was, the culture will go from the rise of man to the death of God, and from the death of God to the annihilation of man. We have done it time and time again. And on top of all this, Jesus himself is not seen as a sacrificial offering. At best, at best, he's seen as a nice guy, a good teacher. But he's so much more than that. I don't know if you've seen Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. If you haven't seen it, you must see it. It's an incredible depiction of the final hours of Jesus' life. But in there, this is, I think, why he receives so much ridicule and rejection because of this movie. In that movie, he doesn't present Jesus as a good moral teacher. There's very little teaching in that movie. He doesn't present him as a miracle worker. To my memory, there's no miracles worked in that movie. He doesn't present him as one who fights against religious tyranny. He presents him as one thing. The lamb to be sacrificed. And that's why that movie is so hard to watch. Because you see a man who is presented as pouring out his life, his blood, for us, having done nothing wrong. Led to the slaughter. And he doesn't say a word. I remember when we were in seminary, we had a private viewing of that movie before it was released to the public. And the reason we had a private viewing is because they were over, the executive producer and the film crew were over to show John Paul II the movie. They wanted the Pope to see it. And after the Pope was done viewing it, he said only a few words. He said, it is 
how it was. And I remember when we watched it and finished and we were dead silent. You couldn't hear a word for five minutes in that auditorium. And there was not a dry eye in that place. 150 grown men crying like little babies. And they allowed us a few questions. And one of my friends raised his hand and said, was it really that bad? And they said, no, it was worse. But we had to cut scenes or they never would have allowed us to release it to the public. Why do sin and sacrifice have to go together? Because someone has to pay for sin. When you hurt me or I hurt you or we hurt each other, there's a debt that's owed. You owe me something. And ultimately, sin is not just against you and I, it's against God Almighty. And that is an eternal offer, an eternal debt that we can't pay. I once heard a theologian say, we owed a debt that we couldn't pay, so he paid a debt that he didn't know. And thinking about debt, I got thinking about the national debt. What do we have, 20, 22 trillion? Some exorbitant amount of money that can't be paid. I don't even know, sure, who we owe that money to. But we owe it. And I got to thinking, what if we just said, we're not going to pay? We're America. We're the most powerful country in the world. We don't have to pay anybody. We just say we're not going to pay. After all, think about what we've given the world. Amazon. Google. McDonald's. Think of all the good we've done for the world. They owe us. I did a little research on this. Did you know that if we simply said we weren't going to pay, that the global economy would collapse? The only reason we can be $22 trillion in debt and still function as a world is because people think we're going to pay. It's on good faith. Someone always has to pay. And the good news of Christianity is that someone did pay. Someone took upon themselves the weight of human sin and dysfunction and sacrificed their life so that we could live. So you see, debt, sacrifice, and sin go together. Here's the problem when they don't go together, when you lose the notion of sin and sacrifice, especially in America, that type of living. The denial of sin and sacrifice is what made January 22nd, 1973, a possible day. January 22nd, 1973 was the legalization of abortion in America. Abortion isn't a sin. It's a right. It's a choice. Why should I sacrifice for this child? I didn't want it anyway. And that's not just from the woman, that's from the man as well. There's a crisis right now, there's a crisis of fatherhood in our day and age. They don't want to sacrifice, they don't want to lay down their lives for their children, for their wives, and so they leave. We must return to the roots of our faith. To the reality of sin and the necessity for sacrifice. Because left unchecked, Sin will destroy us. 
This coming Wednesday, January 22nd, marks the 47th anniversary of the legalization of abortion in America. 60 million babies have died since 1973. But even worse, 1.5 billion worldwide. And so I ask you this Wednesday to sacrifice a little. To join me in offering a fast. A real fast. Not just skipping breakfast. Not just not putting ketchup on your McDonald's french fries. A fast fast of bread and water all day. Even better, just water. And when you feel that pain in your gut, to realize the reason you feel that pain in your gut is because you and I have too much. People feel that pain in their gut every day of their lives in the third world. And to realize that pain is nothing compared to the pain that that terrible sin has brought into this world. And on that day, not only fast, but pray. Pray that God will put an end to this. Pray that people will step forward and realize the evil of it. And pray for our government that will stop it. If you do that, you will be living in this tension of sin and sacrifice. And from this day forward, let sacrifice be a major part of your life every day. And you too will be united to the Lamb who was sacrificed. And then you will truly be what you profess to be, a Christian.